Welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 284. Yeah. Another update episode. Yeah, update episode. I, I like our update episode. Well, you, you, I know you got good news on this one. Good news. So let's just let's just bring it out there. But before we do that, I want to talk about our, our latest sponsor, uh, Pixel Cut. I've uh, been joining us on these episodes. And if you're wondering what Pixel Cut is, it's an app that basically allows you to seamlessly remove the background uh, for your items, whether you're doing eBay, Poshmark, even on Amazon, if you're doing listings, Depop, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, avenue you need to. And there's plenty of templates on the on there, depending on what platform you're selling on. And there's also other uses, right? For example, you want to maybe use it for a headshot uh, for a new job interview or for a podcast that you're trying to drive traffic through or through two, right? You want to drive it two, not through. Yeah, you don't want to drive it through it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Pixel Cut is great. I mean, it's nice because it's available on Android and it's available on Apple. So no matter what platform you're on, you can get it. And it's fast. It's easy. And it's one of those things where you can be out on the road. You can be mobile. You can be in a place where you don't have a light box. And you can take a picture of an item, get that infinite white background. It's going to look like a professionally done in a, in a white box. And it's going to be super fast, super easy. And you're going to have professional quality pictures, even in the trunk of your car. That's usually how I use it. So Pixel Cut is great. Definitely check it out. Uh, link in the description below. There we go. So check it out. Pixel Cut, Android and iOS. All right. So I want to know, I'm going to ask you how are things, but. I'm sure everybody that's been tuning in lately just wants to know, is, is it done? So we sold the fifth wheel. We finally sold the fifth wheel. Man, what a what an adventure. Uh, it, it was crazy experience. And the hard part is, um, so for those of you who don't know, I'm not a brief description. We've lived in a fifth wheel for the last, you know, going on two and a half, three years. And it was great opportunity. We, we are selling it and have sold it now, not because we don't enjoy fifth wheel living or we didn't think we could continue to do it. We could have done fifth wheel living another five years, I'm sure. Uh, but the market was just so high and we kind of started doing the math and doing, you know, all of the the pros and cons. I'm really big on that. And it was kind of like, why were we in the fifth wheel in the first place? Mm -hmm. You know, like we wanted to be in the fifth wheel in order to uh, save some money and build up equity when we sold it. Well, we saved the money. We paid off cars. We paid off debt. We did all kinds of things, paid off some some medical debt from my son. Like we, we basically paid everything off. My wife was able to stay home. We were able to ramp up reselling. And then it was like, okay, the last step we had was we wanted to build some equity. Well, we were able to actually sell our fifth will for about $4,000 less than we bought it for. Wow. After living in it for three years. That's pretty wild. It's crazy, right? Like we were expecting, okay, we're, we're going to be able to get, you know, maybe 30 to 40% of what we bought in, in equity when we end up selling this thing, maybe 50% if we're lucky. Uh, when we sell this five years down the road, once it's all paid off or whatever, and we were able to basically sell it for the same price we bought it for. So it's just kind of crazy to, to think that the market was that high. But the problem was we spent so much time every weekend, sometimes throughout the week, showing it to people. Yep. And every time we showed it, it was like a first date, you know, cause you've got to like get to know them and their story and why do they want the fifth wheel? And you got to, you know, spend an hour showing them all the ins and outs of it. And then, all right, well, text me back if you're interested. And then maybe there's a couple more texts back and forth. And then maybe they ghost you, maybe they keep going, maybe their deal falls through, like whatever. And it was literally like just all these random first dates and it was miserable. And we got ghosted a few times. We had some really good people who they just had circumstances not work out for them. And uh, and finally, we sold it to a good family. We're really excited for them. They kind of have the same plan that that we have. Uh, and so it's nice because now I have my weekends free again. I can start 
sourcing and listing and start thinking about, okay, what's our next step? So uh, it was a, it was a good experience and I, I don't regret it at all. If I could go back and redo it, I would redo it a hundred percent. And if the market wasn't as high as it was right now, I think we'd stay in it for another four to five years. Uh, but it was like, why not pull the trigger now, you know, before mortgage rates, interest rates go up, maybe now's the time to buy. So we were just kind of, you know, want those options. And this gave us the options. I have a question and I, you've answered this before, but now in retrospect, so we had mentioned way back when, when you were first doing the trailer, like it was a big deal. It was a big discussion on the podcast and kind of doing the podcast. I feel like it led to the trailer mm. or am I off? Was it, was there outside circumstances or was did reselling bring like a different angle that you wouldn't have thought about before? Yeah. I mean, reselling for sure. So when my wife and I first got married, we kind of did something similar. Her parents had an old kind of beat up fifth wheel that we used for a few months while we were, you know, trying to get our ourselves established here in San Diego. And so we knew we could do it. Um, but it really was like reselling. We started to see we can make some money. And I was like, man, like we we're making some money now. And if we could take some of that money, my wife could stay home. She could stay with our son and she can help with the resale business. And yeah, I mean the, the fifth wall, we, we couldn't have done it. We couldn't have paid off all the debt that we had. And we, it wasn't like we had like a lot of debt because we didn't have credit card debt or anything like that, but we had some medical debt. We had, you know, a car payment. We had student loans, like a lot of things we were able to get paid off because of the fifth will. And so, yeah, reselling just changed our mind on that of, of, well, you could stay home, make pretty decent money, you know, us working together on this reselling thing. And we're going to have to make some sacrifices though. Like we can't do that and live where we're living now, or it's going to take twice as long because most of the profit we make off reselling is going to be just to kind of maintain our standard of living. So there's really two different ways uh, to to get ahead, right? One way is to make more money. The second way is to spend less, right? Like those are the two things. And if you could do those two things in, in tandem, you could do them together, you're really going to be better off. And so we were like, okay, we're going to be taking somewhat of a pay cut with my wife leaving her job. So we have to mitigate that, offset that with the, you know, spending less each month. And, and we did that by purchasing a fifth will, and we, for the most part, kept our our payments. Like if we paid, you know, it was like seventeen hundred for rent. Like we were paying like close to fifteen hundred on the fifth will. We didn't need to pay that much, but we were paying as much as we could. But the nice thing was we were building equity that entire time. Yeah, yeah. Whereas rent, we wouldn't have done that. So it was it was definitely a reselling led us to that, um, and it allowed. I mean, it was challenging reselling out of a fifth will, like <laughs> sheds, using sheds, using other offices not having internet, all of those things. But um, it was a cool experience. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. And, you know, uh, it's like a chapter of my life closing. And now I get to see where reselling will lead me next. Agreed, agreed. So I, I asked that because in the last two weeks, you know, I've been following a lot about inflation and and I've been trying to do my research. And we'll have a whole episode about uh, reselling during a recession if we get there, which I think pretty close unless you know there's some hail mary thing that happens not a black swan <laughs> black swan will drive us into recession but a hail mary where you know things begin to turn around <clears throat> i think we may be there but i was thinking you know inflation right if i was working and i know you, you know you're working still like nine to five whatever you're a teacher right uh it's a little different when you're a teacher you don't see it as a nine to five but it is you know for all t intentions like there's a set amount of money you make, job yeah right and with inflation right? You're basically working one month or maybe more for free, right? Because if it goes up 10% and you don't get a raise, that's kind of where you're at. And 
I remember that was one of the hardest things when I was in education was I, every year I got a raise, but I was never able to get an exponential raise, like something substantial. Like it was always, it was nice. And, and the only time I got a jump was when I moved from being a teacher to being an administrator. And even that jump wasn't in my salary. It was more on the benefits that I had negotiated. Mm. And so I, you know, if it wasn't for reselling, I would have felt stuck. Like, what am I going to do? How am I going to pay the bill? I mean, I'm thinking about right now, and I know a lot of you are dealing with this. You know, my gas expenses has gone up to about two to three hundred extra a month because and the gas prices have have gone up like um, <laughs> immensely. Right. And especially here in California, I, I live by the cheapest gas uh, in San Diego or maybe in Southern California. And even still, you know, it's gone up a lot. And that begins to cut into it because into your you know lifestyle, because what ends up happening is that two to three hundred dollars. That's that's a bill now. That's an extra bill that you weren't paying before. Right. And so it begins to change. So how do you how do you adjust that? Well, in reselling. Right. It's it's a formula. Find more quality items and list more. Right. It, it, it's very it's it's not easy. I mean, it's it's simple to find out how to do it, but it's not easy to do. And so I've been ramping things up because reselling has allowed me to go, OK, is it possible that where I'm living now is going to cost me more in the next two months, which I, I hope not. Uh, I've, I've been good here. So, you know, I'm hoping if, if they even catch this podcast that they'll consider not doing that. But reality is everything's going up. My electricity's gone up. You know, I, I live in a larger place now, so my electricity bill is double of what it was before. Uh, you know, everything, you know, food, and we can go on and on about inflation, but reselling gives you options that the nine to five doesn't, right? With the nine to five, you could, you could pick up a side hustle. You could pick up more work. Mike could keep reselling more if he needs to. But again, I think reselling gives you a different mindset. Like you don't feel stuck. Like there's no, no options. So, Anyway, that's just thinking about that. Now, as far as uh, what I've been up to, uh, I did hit 3K plus listings uh, by the time of this uh, podcast. I will tell you, it was not easy. Uh, it meant being, I hate using this word, disciplined and and listing every single night. Uh, I always wanted to make sure I was listing more than I was selling. And I know everybody throws numbers. Like some people throw like you need to sell 30 items a day or 20 items a day. Uh, my formula was I need to make sure I at least list, you know, more or double of what sold that day. So if I did that right, my numbers keep going up. And so it took some work and that's without my helper. And so once my helper kicks in, uh, I think I'm going to be pushing, I'm pushing towards 3,500 listings, uh, by the end of April. And so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to grow my store exponentially because two things, number one, I think with the recession is based on all the research I've done is reselling fares better during a recession than during normal times because people are looking for the bargain. Uh, second is I anticipate my expenses are going to go up at least 10 or 20% in the next year. And it's not a thing about going broke. It's a thing about, I don't want to change my lifestyle. I enjoy my life right now. I enjoy not having to worry, you know, oh, can I go out to eat with my kids this Sunday? Or, you know, I enjoy the fact, hey, you know, what? I want to go on a trip in a couple months. Like I enjoy my lifestyle. I'm not looking to get rich. I'm just looking at keep my lifestyle the way it is. And so there's that. Uh, and, uh, you know, the lesson about the more you list, the more you sell is true. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to make a ton more money. I've said this before, just because you double your listing doesn't mean you're going to make double the money, uh, but you will make more. You will make more. And, you know, I only went up, let's see, from 2,400 to 3,000. So and let's say 20 something percent. Did my income go up 20% on eBay? I would say maybe 10 to 15%. 
you know? And then the last thing, uh, I know I had mentioned I was going to be on the one not app and we're going to be selling. It's funny because I never heard back from them. Like I applied and, and other resellers were like, Orlando, just contact the, the person that runs it directly. And I kind of, I got caught up with a lot of things and I didn't do that. And then during the podcast, I got the text. You're, you've agreed. Uh, let's see what they say. They said, congratulations, Orlando. You've been selected to be a life seller on whatnot. And so keep an eye. Going to be doing an auction here in the next several days. Probably my first one is going to be vintage hats. And uh, we'll see where we goes. But there is some heavy competition coming on whatnot. Mm. We're going to be talking about that in our reseller topics. So you, got, you, have, uh, you have any random stories? I do. All right. Let's, let's move on to random stories. We'll talk about our Patreon after. All right. So um, we've had conversations in the past about what to do when you sell an item and there's an issue. Seems like customers complaining they want to get a refund, right? And one of the items that I sold, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of selling electronics as used for parts. Now, unless I've done the work, if there's a significant difference in the price between you know, working, tested, all of those things versus used for parts, and I have the ability and time to test it, I'll probably test it. But a lot of times we're talking about maybe a 20% difference depending on the item. Mm -hmm. uh, and so for me, for the safety, the protection of knowing, hey, I, I, I don't know if every single feature in this works perfectly, especially if it's going to a collector or somebody like they're going to know like, wait a minute, the, the such and such waves on this frequency skip at 2.8 eight gigahertz. I'm, I, I don't know. Right. Like, so I'm selling this used as is for parts, right? Like, yeah. and, and by doing that, I'm eliminating that. Well, this part doesn't hear work or it doesn't work perfectly. And a lot of times you can show like it works, it turns on, it's been tested to this extent. This is how much I've tested it. So I did that with a big laser disc player that I picked up for $5. I got a really good deal on it at a church rummage sale. And I saw that they were going, you know, tested everything working perfectly for over 100 uh, for parts around 70. And I ended up getting an offer. It sat for a little bit. I got a couple of offers on it. And the hard part was like, I just knew it was going to cost a lot to ship. I didn't know exactly how much um, I, I kind of guesstimated like 25 bucks and ended up being uh, right about that, about 25 bucks. Okay. So the shipping shipping, I was perfect on, uh, but I sold it for 50 bucks. So $75 total. You know, fifty dollars mm -hmm. for the the unit, twenty five dollars for shipping. So I ship it. Don't make anything on the shipping, and it gets to the person. And we did the best we could as far as packaging. But when it's like a big item like that, it was like over twenty pounds. It's mm -hmm. electronics. It's tough. You know what I mean? Like you can put some styrofoam bubble wrap. You kind of float a box. Float the box. Yeah, yeah. You know still. what I mean? Like you do all those things perfectly. And when it's that heavy of an item, all it takes is for you know the USPS person to just kind of push it out the back of their truck or it fall in the back of the truck and something else fall on top of it. And there's still potential damage. You know, mm -hmm. if, if it's not like factory sealed with like perfectly fit, you know, foam, there's potential for damage. And so it gets the guy and he complains about some damage that obviously wasn't there with the pictures. And so we did what we, we typically suggest. And most of the time it works out in our favor, which is one offer a partial, like offer them, you know, on, I said, take send pictures, right? I'm not going to just refund you. You've got two options. You can send it back or I can give you a partial refund. Like, what would you like? And he says, well, um, it seems silly to send it back when it's broken. I don't want to pay for the shipping back, blah, blah, blah. I'll take a partial refund. Well, I go to the next step, right? Our next step is get let them give the price, right? Like if you sometimes, depending on the situation, you say, well, I'll, I'll give you 20% off. I'll give you 50% back. But what I've found 
several times in the past is by saying like, what seems like, how much would you like to get back? Or what kind of partial refund would you like? A lot of times they're going to give you a number lower than you would offer, yep. right? Like yeah, sometimes it's, it's bargaining. Yeah. <laughs> so they'll say like, well, you know, how about 50% off? And it's like, sweet. I was going to give you 80, right? You know, or vice versa, you know, they're going to give you a lot of times a number lower. Well, this person was pretty hardcore about, you know, I feel like I'm being gypped. I feel like I'm being scammed. Like you're going to have to, I'll, I'll, I'll pay for the shipping, but I want the price of the unit back. And it's like, all right, well, I'm going to basically wash on this, right? The shipping was fine. There's the fees on eBay. Okay. Lost a little bit, five bucks, whatever. It's worth it for me to just, it's out of my storage unit. I'm not going to obviously be able to sell. It comes back broken the way it's broken now. Fine. If this is what's going to keep me from getting a negative feedback. I'll take the wash. I'll refund you the cost of the unit. 50 bucks. It's back to you. Get the response from them. Thank you. I get a horrible negative feedback from this guy. Really? Just like this person went off, right? Negative feedback. I'm not as described, blah, blah, blah. Like they, they went off. And so we didn't even have to call eBay. We just opened up a request to remove feedback. And we said this item was sold uh, four parts. Mm-hmm. They said it was damaged in shipping. We fully refunded the item. The four parts item was damaged in shipping. The four parts item was damaged in shipping. We offered a refund. And within like five minutes, we got a response from eBay and said, this falls in our categories of blah, 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 blah. It's eligible to have the negative feedback removed. Your negative feedback will be removed within 24 to 48 hours. I'm like, oh no, that's a long time. And it was within a couple yeah, of hours. So, yeah, boilerplate. Yeah. so it was, it was removed within, within, you know, an hour or two. So it was just nice to know that one, we recovered by eBay on that, but you never know. I would say 70% of the time following all those steps work in your favor as far as, you know, they're going to sometimes just not respond at all. You get to keep the money. You know, like they just want an event. Sometimes they respond and they're willing to take a partial refund that's less than you were going to offer. Uh, but sometimes they're pretty, you know, intense and they want the entire thing paid back. And there's nothing I could do at that point besides just do it, take the loss. But at least I know I'm covered with the return shipping. Did you go to the eBay seller help page? We just did it on our, our app of the request. Oh, request. you could do that? Yeah, it was it was a request um, negative or request feedback removal. The only, there's a whole page called the eBay seller help. So you Google eBay seller help and it takes you to, let me see what the address is. Yeah, it's ebay.com slash seller help. And there's a whole page there that requests to remove feedback, requests to remove defects, requests a selling limit increase, report an issue with the buyer, need more help. And you can check status. And I've always said this is interesting that eBay doesn't just have this connected to the seller hub, or maybe they do. Let us know in the comments if if I'm off, but you like, you don't know what you don't know, but it's so that's why I ask you. So it's nice that within the app, you're able to do that. Okay. Well, good. Now, what, what do you think the rationale was for eBay removing it? Do you think it's because you offered a return? Do you think, what did they put? Is it because the guy cursed at you in the feedback? I mean, he didn't curse. He was <laughs> just know. very, he's very negative. Um, okay. no, I, I think, I think it was a combination. I mean, I might've been okay if I would have fought it harder and just said, sorry, like you can return it and pay for the shipping return. It was sold as is, but you know, you feel bad. Like I, I sold it clearly there was some extra damage, like part of the top broke off of it and it's for parts. I have a feeling this guy was planning on, cause he goes, I'll just add it to my, my pile of parts and I'll just pull off of it if I need to. But I feel like I'm being screwed. And it's like, I have a feeling that was your plan anyways, is you just use components from it. Mm. Cause you, if you're buying a laser disc player for parts only. Yeah. I, I doubt it was like, 
I'm buying this because I want to watch a laser disc movie tomorrow. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. he's probably works on it. He probably wanted one for parts for one or who knows? Maybe he was lying and maybe the pictures, the broken one he sent me was the one that he was replacing with mine. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know, but um, it wasn't worth it for me fighting it. So I think it was a combination of one. I offered return to um, I it was for parts only. So maybe I didn't even need to offer the the partial refund. And then three. I've got a good reputation with eBay because I, I have good sales, I'm good customer service, and I think all those things added up. No negative feedback. Sucks that I lost that sale on that item, but you know, oh well, life moves on. The only reason I asked too is because you know a lot of people we used to recommend people contact eBay for business on on Facebook, and a lot of people have been messaging us that they they're taking forever to get back to people, or like they're not you know removing stuff, and so. And I know a lot of people say, well, you know, you guys have concierge, but that wasn't even a concierge thing. That was right through the app, unless it's tied into concierge. I don't know. So anyways, well, I'm glad I'm glad it all resolved. So, all right. Before we move on, though, to uh, I have a crazy garage sale story. And and some of you saw this on Instagram this last week, but just wanted to share more of it. Uh, we're on Patreon. Uh, we've switched over. It's been a while now. So, you know, <laughs> we're on Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash podcast on there you know, you're able to support us. And again, it's not because there's a paywall or you get access to anything different yet. Uh, no, there won't be a paywall on the podcast, but there might be, you know, special features that those that support us on Patreon uh, will have access to. And so we're working on some of that possibly. Uh, but right now it's just, it's just a way to say thank you. So there's different tiers. We're grateful for all of you as have signed up. It definitely helps us, especially, you know, when we got to step away from reselling to record a podcast or make a YouTube video. Uh, so thank you for all your support. Again, it's patreon.com slash podcast. All right. So I got to say, I went to an estate sale, a quote unquote garage sale, and I was just shocked. Two reasons I was shocked. One is I woke up late on Saturday because I, I kind of, you know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's because of gas prices, but there's just not a lot of garage sales in San Diego. And I know that sounds weird because people are like, oh, we get, you know, like in my town, it's all, 10 is a good day. For us, 400 is a good day. And in our area where we live, uh, usually 100 plus is a good day. Lately, it's been about like 200. And then out of the 200 in our area that we're, we live and usually it's like, well, I don't know, 30 to 50. And then even those 30 to 50, you know how some people repost on Craigslist? You know, and so maybe it's down to 20 and then you get down to the 20. Then you're like, all right, uh, this one seems like it has junk. This one doesn't have much. This is way too out of the way. Then it cuts down to like 10. Mm. Right. And so it's been really slim. Like the other day, I was reliving the glory days of one of my friends, Kyle, who we had been talking about. Man, remember the days where we would go to like these community sales and it seemed like a wonderland of garage sales like everywhere. Like those days, they're gone. Like, I, I don't know if they're going to come back. I'm hoping they come back, but it's just not like that anymore. Anyways, I go to the state sale and it's like 845 in the morning and I go in there and it's one of the best. Here's the thing. When you go to an estate sale and things are not priced and there's no company there, it's just like, you know, just family, just trying to sell stuff and, and nothing's been sorted through. You do not want to leave that estate sale. You want to stay there as long as possible because you have no idea like what you'll find. And on top of that, you also got to search out. So what I noticed real quick was that there were certain items that the people running the state sale looked up on eBay 
and they wanted eBay prices. Mm. And then there's other stuff that they didn't care about. So one of one of the items I picked up real quick, I went out there and I see a bin. And in this bin, there's all these vintage Star Wars toys, like 1978 Kenner, 1980 Kenner. And there's all these other old toys in there. And I'm like, uh, I'm just and they're like trash. But I've learned that, you know, vintage toys, even for part sell. Mm. So I picked them all up. And then there's this other guy that's like searching through this box with me. And, you know, I kind of feel bad, but like business is business. So I'm in the box with him. Like, I don't know. If, is there a sacred space? Like, should you not search a box that somebody else is searching? Yeah, man. Every a, a box per person. You know? but, but there's only one box. So. so anyways, I go in there and this guy looks at me like, hey, I know you. You taught my son years ago. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is weird. And then I remembered and and he was telling me how like he kills it. Like he goes to the Rose Bowl and makes thousands every time he sells vintage clothing. Nice. And uh it was just weird. Hmm. Like, you know, because he knows me as a history teacher. And you know, I, I usually back in those days I would wear like slacks and a tie. And mm. you know, now I, you know, whatever I wear what I wear when I go to garage sales. Uh, and I, did, I didn't have this huge uh, goatee. Like I, I was always like not clean shaven, but it was, you know, close to the face. Uh, but it was great. You know, we were talking about how like a lot of people don't understand reselling. Right. The fact that you can actually make really good money reselling as you, if you play it right. So anyways, we're talking and then, you know, I know he's doing vintage clothing and then I see these boxes. And these boxes have not been opened. They're like untouched. And I asked the lady running the estate. So I'm like, hey, can I go through these boxes? She's like, oh, yeah, I was going to donate all that stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm like, oh, it's probably trash. I go through it. It's like Pendleton, 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 vintage polo, vintage polo, vintage polo, Pendleton, vintage polo. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And so I'm going through all this and I have all my old Star Wars toys and all this other stuff. And I put it and I bundle them. And I go and, and you know, I, I, I haggle and she's like, oh, the clothing's free. I was like, free, what? Like that, that's the most valuable of everything that I'm picking up here. So whatever, made, made a deal. If you caught us on Instagram, I paid $70 and, you know, I've, I've already, <laughs> I'm going to make money off of selling like one of the items, right? I'll probably make my money back selling two of the items. And then uh, what, what, what caught me is that, you know, there was all kinds of resellers. I saw people like walking out with old Halloween masks. I saw people uh, walking out with like vintage, like uh, tech equipment and so on. And uh, I was like, this is one of those estates. I was like, I, I, I feel bad. But Mike did text me while I was there, I think, and said the fifth wheel is gone. So I know he was doing fifth wheel stuff. But it was kind of one of those where it's like, come on, come on. Like there, there's, there's enough for everybody to go around here. And uh, once I heard it was free, I go back and then, you know, I was impressed. There was a, a guy there that was in high school that was, I didn't know he was in high school. He's like searching through all this. And we started talking and, uh, you know, I, I was impressed by his hustle. Like, I wish I was doing what this kid was doing at six, you know, 16, 17. And, uh, you know, on the way out, they literally like threw all this like trash, like what they thought was trash outside of the state sale. And him and I, he's like, hey, man, there's some shirts out here. And he's like, look at what I picked up. And, you know, I did, I went through his stuff. I don't know why I did that. I think I just wanted to feel pain. I don't know. You know, like, this is all I missed out on. And a really nice guy, though, he found the Pendleton. He's like, hey, man, take this Pendleton. I'm like, oh, appreciate it. I go through it. I find vintage He-Man toys. I found more vintage clothing, uh, lawn, lawn uh, like chairs. And I was like, this is crazy. So I spent... 
probably two to three hours at this estate sale and uh, just made a killing. I mean, I spent in total uh, $90. The thing that everybody was all about, I'll talk about this later on. Oh, no, I'm not even making a bolo. It was like a, it was a wicker, like a wicker basket. It was a frog hmm. with marble eyes. And I paid like two, three bucks maybe for it. And the comps were like over a hundred dollars. Wow. And I was like, wow, you're always learning something new, you know? Anyways, I, I bring this up because you just, you never know. Like I, I'm always a fan of, even if you don't want to, you should always go get up on a Saturday morning. You know, it depends on your business model, but if you do garage sales, like you should just go. Like I, that whole morning, I did pick up a good, I picked up for $2, a bunch of vintage like uh, tanks and Jeep toys, like Roco, I think was a company. And I've already sold, uh, I paid $2 for all of it. And I've already sold half of it for 60 bucks. Right. So did I expect that? No, I showed up late and the lady was telling me like, oh, these kinds of collectors showed up and bought this. Well, they miss these, mm. you know? So there's always opportunity when you go to garage sales. So I encourage you to wake up in the morning. Yeah. So, and I could talk so much about this garage sale. There was so much. Did you make a YouTube video on it? No, because, Ew, well, I, I didn't like, I woke up late. There was only like six garage sales I was going to. I didn't expect Always anything. Always be of, recording, man. Yeah, I know. But, you just need to throw a GoPro but here's on. the thing. I do think it would have thrown off my game because those empty boxes, like I flew through them because I knew once resellers knew what I had there, mm. even the other guy. He didn't even know. Like I said, hey, did you see these? He's like, no. And I, I feel like he had this look in his eyes like, oh, man, mm. like what did I miss out on? But I was flying through the boxes like Pendleton for free. Like some of those shirts are going to go for 50 to 80 bucks a piece. That's oh, crazy. Can't let it go. So. All right. That is uh, that's my random stories. So. All right. Are you, are you in need of some uh, some packaging material? You know, I would say I would was in need of packaging material, except for I'm never in need of packaging material because I use American Bubble Boy. Okay. And American Bubble Boy gets me my my bubble wrap at at, at the cheapest prices fast. I mean, I'm talking two days max. I place the order. I'm like, oh, I'm getting low. Place my order. A couple days later, boom, delivered right to the door. Just beautiful, perfect bubble wrap. American Bubble Boy. If you're not using American Bubble Boy, you got to give it a try. I mean, it's good bubble wrap. It, it really is. It's, it's going to be just as good as anything you're using right now or better. And it's great prices. And it comes straight to you. And with gas prices the way they are now, you don't want to be driving to stores, mm -hmm. you know, picking up. Especially if you're going to like somewhere like Walmart or something, you're paying even more than you should be and paying. And then they're out, out of stock. Yeah. And then you got to go to another gotta, store. Yeah, it's just not it's worth awful. it. Yeah. So American Bubble Boy, get it delivered to your house. The size you want. Whether you want four foot long, two foot long, whether you want big bubbles, small bubbles, it's it's amazing bubble wrap. Pick it up and uh, use our link below. Use our link below. And if you're a first time buyer, you'll get a nice little discount and it lets them know that we sent you. So use promo code Pure Hustle Podcast. Get yeah. that discount. First time buyer. Are we um, doing that instead of the link? No, it's both. Okay. Maybe use the link. I've, I've seen a couple more people saying they're having issues with the... Uh, the promo, the promo code. code. So yeah. So at least if you have an issue with the promo code, try the link and then uh, let us know. All right. Hey, uh, if you have not been following us on social media, we are Pure Hustle Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We are Pure Hustle Cast on Twitter. Appreciate all of you following us on Twitter. Our Twitter queue continues to grow, even though we don't tweet. 
uh, but we need to tweet more. Uh, as always, you can give us a call 619-738-1170, 619-738-1170. You know, we have enough hustles a week in the email. Like we're getting closer that if we get phone calls of hustles a week, we could do a whole hustle a week mm-hmm. episode here soon, which we may do that soon. So if you have a hustle a week you want to share, leave us a voicemail. 619-738-1170. Uh, and again, don't think that your hustle a week is like, you know, oh, it's not five to a thousand. It's okay if it's five to a hundred, if it's five to 50, right? It's all about the story, all about finding that treasure. So give us a call again, 619-738-1170. You can always shoot us an email, uh, podcast at gmail.com. It's podcast at gmail.com. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time and you do not know that we are on YouTube, come over to YouTube, hit that subscribe button, smash that like button, smash that like button right now if you're uh, watching us and hit that bell notification. And as always, thank you for all the iTunes reviews. Keeps us the number one uh, reselling podcast out there. Really appreciate the feedback. And so uh, thank you so much for leaving a comment there. All right. We, we got a few things to talk about here in our reselling topics. Let's do it. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Well, I'm, I'm just waiting for the sound. Are we doing oh, the sound? You want the you want the sound? Yeah, you got to intro this. Orlando is ready for the topics, but I wasn't. That is sad. But that's okay because we are going to be talking about what is happening in the reselling world. Changes are happening, but we're still making money. Orlando, take it away. All right. So there, there's I don't know. There's there's always stuff, and. You know, we're not big fans of the store that shall not be named. You know, we're talking about Goodwill. And I know that it was the last episode where we talk about the good things about Goodwill. Yeah. Right. And the Goodwill does. There a are lot good of, things. There are a lot of good things. Uh, but man, this story came out and it hit, you know, res- the reselling you know community on Instagram and, and other social media. And this idea. So Bitstitch broke this story. Uh, I don't know, you know, where they got the info, uh, but it's basically a third party has been uh, beta testing with a store. I think it's in like Colorado uh, to list their items for them. So basically uh, what this what this company does is they do like they use AI. Oh, I was about to read it and it just went away. Uh, but it, it's basically do I need to step up to the mic. Let me see if I can get let me just read it instead of trying to tell you. Uh, Google of Colorado recently brought on a company, a company that specializes in AI and machine learning with the sole purpose to help them list items online for resale. Although maybe just the beta test, this could be the beginning of the end for thrifting as we know it. Their goal is to list thousands of items every month and automate the process to make it even more profitable for Goodwill. And then like the comments just exploded and other, other Instagram accounts posted the story. And uh, I was thinking about this because I would say, you know, a few years back, I would have been really, really annoyed. And I remember uh, a few years ago, I don't know if they still do it. I need to keep up. But uh, there was Golden Finger Picker and there's Hearts Picker and, and Craigslist Hunter. And they used to do like this, uh, like, you know, kind of like podcast was on YouTube and they would talk about stuff. And I remember uh, them talking about like, we shouldn't be upset about Goodwill's high prices. Right. Because they're a business. Right. And so why wouldn't they try to make, you know, make the profit there to help, you know, Goodwill be able to help other programs. And my argument isn't the best. That's not exactly how they put it. But it's basically, you know, that's it's just business. Like what we would do the same. Right. And uh, I know there, there's plenty more to be said, but it was basically the idea like you got to maneuver and figure out, you know, how to grow your business with knowing that and then play. 
And I was looking through this and, you know, we've talked about this in the past where I, I couldn't find a news article, but there's a whole news article, I think in the San Francisco Chronicle about Goodwill, uh, you know, using eBay back in like 2005 and how they have it all streamlined to list on eBay. And, and that's what they do. And then I found another article that in 2010, there was actually a Goodwill app that was like being developed where you go to the Goodwill app and then it would take you to their Amazon site, their Goodwill site, uh, their eBay site, their, you know, half.com back. Is half.com around anymore? I don't know. No. Right. Anyways, all those sites. So I see a bunch of people, you know, I saw a bunch of people and I'm not, you know, saying anything negative about the comments, but it was like, this is the end, like greed will, like this is going to doom our businesses, you know, you know, rest in peace, thrifting and all this. And I'm just looking at this and I'm like, you know, and I know Mike's probably going to give a counterpoint, but <laughs> I'm looking at all this. And I'm like, you know, this is just, just competition. Like it's, it's not any different than if a thousand new resellers come on. Uh, you know, I, the only difference I could see in this is if somehow, you know, one day there's a AI technology that learns how to source items, learns how to do other things that, uh, that resellers can do that the AI can do, uh, is able to understand, you know, when to take offers, when not to take offers. Like there's a, there's a whole lot of human aspects that no third party could go in and, and be goodwill. Yeah. You know, or, or help Goodwill be resellers. Yeah. I mean, I think, okay, there's several things at play here. One is, is this is one place, right? And of course, they have a huge market in the thrifting world. Uh, but I think you're right in the sense of, okay, this one way of looking at it is whatever third party that created this, it's hard to be mad at them because they're, they're following the same thing we're doing. They saw a need, they came in, they filled the need. But I, I have a little bit of doubts about how successful it's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, like you said in the past that there's, they've tried a lot of different things to try Remember to Remember the offer this. up collab mm-hmm. that happened? Yeah. And what happened to that? Yeah. So I just look and I think, okay, there is still going to have to be a huge human element to this as far as people taking pictures of the items, putting in at least a basic description of it, if there's any kind of flaws or anything like that, which means if they're doing 50 to 70% of the listing process anyways, before it goes to this third party then is it really that much different than them just doing it and hiring a couple of extra people to like finish up the process? So, cause if it's not a perfect process without, you know, Goodwill having to do a lot of the, the work up front, then there's going to be a lot of upset customers. You buy something from Goodwill on eBay and there's a good chance that the measurements aren't perfect or that there's, there's problems with it that wasn't listed. So, Either that's going to happen and people just won't buy and then Goodwill will switch this process or two, Goodwill is just ramping up because they're going to have to do a lot of that work of, do they get enough pictures? Did they describe it well enough? Did they show whether it was working? Did they click all the boxes? And at that point, I almost feel like you're listing the item. You know, like well, how much app, more is the, the app doing? The third party does a lot of that. The third party looks up comps. The third party does the description. The third party yeah, but, does, does a lot of that. But there's still a human element to it. Yeah, because I mean... I just imagine like you had to train your helper to do that stuff. Correct. Right. You probably couldn't just take some random pictures of an item and then send it to your helper the based off of nothing but the pictures and her get an accurate description. Unless your pictures also included the measurements, which in that point, all you're doing is sending pictures of the item with measurements. Yeah. And you take a picture of every single flaw. You take a picture of it working. Like you're basically doing most of the work. 
Yeah, like, no, I, I can't get it. imagine I mean, the third party taking the, that. There much are off. some apps like you know, is Cellhound is yeah. one of the companies that we do work with, and uh, you know, you take the pictures, you send it, but they have experienced resellers that you know know the comps, they put the listing together, and so on. And so they do it that way. But yeah, I agree with you. Like I, I, there, there's a lot in play. Uh, you know, I, I put a comment on, you know, I make these comments without Mike's permission. Uh, and I basically said, oh, good. So they're just going to sell Tommy Bahama for more money. <laughs> right. Because that, that's what it's been. Right. Even though even though by now <laughs> the story shall not be named has had the capacity to be major competition for resellers. A lot of stuff still falls through the cracks. Right. There's a knowledge game. There's a lot that the resellers bring to the table that right now technology cannot do. It just can't. Right. And I'm not going to mention all of them because I, I don't want to give all the ideas to what you should do because maybe Mike and I are making our own AI software. But but I, there are some things I would do that I think would be a game changer. Now, I, I want to bring that in conjunction with this story that that I think it was back, you know, late 2021 about in Washington, what Goodwill does. Right. Because a lot of people have this conception, this misconception that Goodwill's, you know, that the employees are in the back checking Instagram of resellers and watching YouTube videos, which they have done. They have done. I know Craigslist Center has he's like popular in his area because of his YouTube videos and, and all the thrift stores. But this has been going on for a long time. So let me let me just share some of the pinpoints. So, you know, this is talking about the process. The process starts at the curb. Right. So the store manager Right. They they get all the electronics, they plug them in, they see if it works, they remove the duds and they sell the rest of scrap to a recycling place. Then after that, uh, things are unusable. Right. They obviously send that to the dumpster. Then after they do that, when they see something cool is dropped off, staff members alert the manager and debate the price. Right. And so they come up with the price for the nicer items. Then after that, then they go inside the, you know, the warehouse. And inside this, the warehouse, there's people sorting. Team sorts the loot by type. Toys, small electronics, housewares, books, shoes, accessories, and so on. And then the specialists take over. So there are specialists on top of just the regular employees sorting stuff. So the specialists, uh, they're devoted to one category, right? And so they have an eye and they pick out the quality items, right? And so as they pick out the quality items, so for example, they bring in this lady uh, she's been at Goodwill for seven years as a specialist. Knows a good pair of shoes when she sees it. And if she doesn't recognize a brand, she can refer to a list taped to her workbench that includes uh, Keds on the low end and Gucci on the designer side. Prices range accordingly from $2.99 to $49.99. And then on top of that, the bar, you know, they put out stuff on the retail floor. Then after they're done doing that, then they have the next level. So they, they, they load the merchandise and makes a cut into what she calls the shiny cart and wheels it onto the sales floor. So we've seen that uh, at the store that should not be named. And then there's other items. So across the aisle from Ross's station is a pile of potential treasures for online sales. While it's still possible to find gems at uh, great prices on the store shelves, Goodwill has become much savvier about marketing vintage collectibles and high-end items. Uh, the vice president of e-commerce retail and donation strategy uh, is visiting the the Renton store. I think this is in Washington. Uh, says they have over fourteen thousand active items, and that doesn't even include their nearly one hundred and twenty thousand books, DVDs, and CDs. Right. So today's the stash that the store picked up were snakeskin boots, gold uh, rimmed Dematasi cups, vintage Air Jordans, etched glass baby candle holder, a full set of antique 
some Limoges, uh, China. Wow, I haven't seen those in a long time. <laughs> and in-house, maybe because the good ones pick them all up. In-house experts estimate values, post offerings, and track the bidding. So I think that's where the third parties come in, right? So the average online sale is about $35, but every manager hopes for the kind of hidden gem that was dropped off at Portland Goodwill in 2006. So this is Oregon. Remember the small watercolor by American impressionist Frank Weston Benson sold for a record $165,000. And then the legend of Zelda, we talked about this that sold for $411,000. Right. And so this is the way this is, this has been like status quo for like two decades. Yeah. There's always been, I mean, you got to figure that their pricing doesn't come out of thin air. And sometimes you look at items and you're like, who's pricing this, right? This item's priced way too high and this one's priced way too low. But you know, they're, they're, they're at least going to be right 75% of the time as far as are they catching things or more, right? Like even if they're wrong 10% of the time, 5% of the time, that's where you have room to come in and make that profit, right? Mm -hmm. You find that item that, hey, they didn't recognize that this brand, this model, this whatever is worth this. So it has already made it through their entire process before it got out to that point. So uh, you can't feel bad if you, you find it and you pick it up like they did their you know, part. So you get to do your part now. Uh, but it would be interesting. I would, I would like to, at some point in the future, maybe for a summer job for a, a few weeks, get hired at a thrift store just to see the ins and outs. Of so a, not necessarily good work. Yeah. Cause I know that their hiring process is different. I don't want to take one of those spots from somebody who, who could use the, the, the job. No, the they training. hire resellers for the huh? specialist position. I mean, you know, I feel bad. I had a falling out with somebody that worked at the store shall not be named. Mm. She was always good to me, always took care of me. You probably know who this mm -hmm. is. And at one time she reached out to me cause she, she moved and she became their e-commerce like specialist. And she messaged me on, you know, she was asking software and what do I use and so on. And I kind of felt like I was given into the dark side. And so kind of, I didn't share. Oh, that's messed up, man. And, uh, yeah, I haven't spoken to her since then. And, uh, I mean, Honestly, like that's the thing too. Is like, do we really think? I, are you that special, or any of us that special? I, that I know it, that it won't take a, a, a an employee of goodwill like a, a couple of hours to find some so at decent that time, YouTube channels and then a little but, bit of time I, of I, research. At that time, I was in this mode of like it's me against them, mm. right? And you know, I wish I wasn't that way. You know, I, I wish I, you know, what I had to offer, they could have found out pretty easy, and, and yeah. I'm sure they did. You know, so anyways. I wouldn't say this is the end of thrifting. I don't think it's anywhere close. I would say be smarter about how you source. Uh, Mike and I have talked about how we get to items before they're donated. Like that lady at the garage sale I just talked about, the state sale. She was going to donate them, right? And I got to those items before they ever got donated. Because I'm pretty sure if they went to the store, shall not be named. Those Pendletons would be selling at eBay prices. But guess what? I will be selling those at eBay prices. Right. Cause I got to it before them. And so network, make those deals. You know, there's also other thrift stores that aren't as specialized or don't have the ability to specialize like Goodwill does. And so, no, it's not the end of thrifting. No, it's not the end of reselling. You just got to adapt. All right. Hey, did you get the option for uh, bulk coupons on eBay yet? Um, I don't know. Maybe I haven't really paid attention. I haven't really been using coupons. So, Maybe I need to. So we'll they work. They it. work. Yeah. You know, it was funny. I sent out. So right now, I think I don't know if it's this is the only way, but you can send stuff out to people that haven't bought from you in like six months mm -hmm. or in three months or whatever. So I sent out a bunch for the people that haven't bought from me in six months, 
And I had all these sales and things were selling lower than I remember listing them. I'm like, what is going on? And I looked at, oh, no, they applied the 20% off coupon. Mm. Right. So sales are sales. Like I can't complain. Like it is what it is. It wasn't even an offer. And so definitely keep an eye if you have, I think you need an eBay store, but go to, uh, I think the marketing and then it allows you to like send coupons out uh, for groups. So check that out. All right. So I don't know why people aren't talking more about this, uh, but uh, eBay is doing a lot. <laughs> And I think it's worth paying attention to. So eBay, and I'll, I'll put the link on on our on our video here. Uh, so eBay had this investor day, like 2022 20, highlights that, you know, all their investors watching this on Vimeo. And, uh, you know, I watched it's only like a five minute video, uh, but there's a, there's a lot of things happening. So the first one, this is going to be interesting. So they're creating this thing called the eBay vault. It's like a 31,000 square foot building. And it's supposed to have close to $3 billion in assets in the next two years or I don't know, year or whatever it is. So what it's going to be, it's going to be cards. So for example, you send your card, like it's a, let's say you have, I don't know, let's throw it out there. Um, a rookie card, right? It's some, you know, a really expensive, let's say, uh, let's say you have a Tom Brady card, right? And by the way, don't you feel terrible? Like Tom Brady's out of retirement. Mm. again but imagine being the guy that paid for i think it's like five hundred eighty-one thousand dollars for tom brady's last football that he threw for a touchdown no he's back what happened to the value of that football well i mean there really is no intrinsic value it's all just like perceived value i know but like imagine being that guy yeah well or gal or whoever bought it like well i mean maybe it goes down in history as the last ball he ever threw for a touchdown before he came back from retirement. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, I, like, I don't know. Like, I, I just thought about that. Anyways, okay. So in this eBay vault, you're going to be able, you send in like, you know, your cards or whatever. And in that vault, like all the sales just go down. Like it never leaves the vault. Right. Because it's kind of like, a, I guess it's like a safe deposit box. Or it just stays there. So like if I have a card that's really expensive, right? eBay can authenticate it there. eBay can hold it there. And so let's say I sell it to Mike, right? And Mike, you know, this is, this is, you know, a hedge against inflation or whatever. And he leaves it in the vault. And then a year later, you know, he wants to sell at a certain price. Then he sells it at that price. Right. And so it never has to be shipped anywhere. It just stays in the vault. It just changes ownership. Correct. I thought it was pretty cool. I think it's a pretty good idea, especially if you're in the port sports card collector uh, world. I think they're also doing this with collectibles. I'm not exactly sure what kind of collectibles. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, it it definitely has more of like a when I look at things like NFTs and even how the stock market has opened up to average person, I could see that like almost the appeal to the wealthy, wealthy elites where they have like art vaults where it's like that where they don't even have it up on their wall for viewing. It's more of yeah, like it's an investment. Like mm-hmm. I own this this property, this asset that I never even look at, but like I have ownership of it and it's part of my net worth. And so, yeah, at a lower level, I could see how that would be interesting if a company like eBay can kind of do that for the everyday person. And you've got items in there that are only worth, you know, several hundred to a few thousand dollars, as opposed to like the elites where you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars for assets that are hidden away and never seen. Uh, Yeah, it's an interesting concept. And I could see why a lot of people would be drawn to that, even though you don't tangibly get to have that collectible item. But yeah, if you're looking at it as this is my asset, it's a, a, a... uh, hedge against inflation or it's, it's it, it adds to my net worth 
maybe a little silly, but I definitely think there's a market for it. Well, let me let me just read it because maybe I got the info wrong. And there's actually a quick YouTube video. Uh, they said, uh, once an item is in the eBay vault, customers know their valuables are secured and instant sale becomes possible. While many customers will keep their items in the vault for years, once it is in the vault, then ownership can transfer from seller to buyer in a matter of seconds without the need to re-authenticate, repackage, or ship the item anywhere. This unlocks a new way to engage with eBay. Imagine instantly buying and selling suit cards and sports memorabilia as a great new rookie lands a play in the final minutes of a tight game. Right. So, you know, let's say you have that Zion card or whatever and or whoever it is. I, I don't keep up on, on NBA right now. I know, I know a lot of people are going to be like, what? Just, you know, I got life. But uh, <laughs> I don't remember the last time I watched an NBA game. <laughs> so anyways, um, they said within a few years, we expect the vault will hold up to three billion dollars in assets. That would make like a great movie, like Ocean's 13. The Where they're eBay going vault. into the eBay vault <laughs> and they're pulling out and it's like. If they just go like cliche eBay items, you yeah, know, like, I mean? is this like, an underground bunker? Like, I wonder these things, you know, they go in there and it's like a duck, cro- a crochet duck, you know, blanket <laughs> that someone's grandma made. Oh, my gosh. You no, know, like not, all these not. random. I know it's like real collectibles, <laughs> but like they, that would be fun. Like, you know, like all the things weird, uh, like Weird Al talked about with the uh, oh, yeah, I bought yeah, on yeah. eBay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Chia Pets and random stuff. Like if that's what like you broke into the vault and that's what's in the eBay vault. Like. All the cheesy the great eBay, eBay vault heist. Yeah. Well, in the video, they show like somebody approaching the vault and there's like all these lasers like in the way, you know. I, I used to for a while. I haven't done um, uh, uh, like I always mispronounce it. I usually don't do that. But bullion, the bullion. bullion. Yeah. The, uh, you know, so I did a lot of silver years and years ago. And um, it was kind of just because I I didn't have a lot of money to buy stocks at the time. There was drip investments where you can kind of get in at 500, but things like Robinhood didn't really exist yet. Oh, you yet, can do so. fractional shares in the eBay vault too. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. Uh, so, but anyways, I would. there was a company here in San Diego that I would buy my silver from and they were kind of set up like that. Like they actually have a vault and you go through like several layers of security and doors that open and then you can buy a box if you wanted to and have items stored there. And it's like all, you know, secured, but like, Un, unreported stuff so like you could put things in there and it's not but anyways that's where i'd buy my silver from so i could imagine what a a ebay vault would look like that's because this place that i would go to was just in like a shopping center like you know yeah. like in a shopping mall area and it was a really nice facility so i can imagine what a ebay facility warehouse could build if it was holding three billion dollars worth of uh goods but yeah fractional shares even that's an interesting it's an interesting concept i like it yeah, I was just, uh, I, I know, you never know. Now, there there's some other things. So another thing I thought was pretty cool that they're bringing uh, 3D AI views of sneakers. So like, I don't know how they would do it, but like. So like, you know how on Amazon, I'm not sure if that's what this yeah. is, but you know on Amazon, like you could buy something or like before you buy something, you could be like, see it in your room. It's kind of like that, but this is where you rotate it. Right. You know? But imagine if they did that with shoes and it's like seat on your foot and like you put your foot down and augmented like, reality. Yeah, augmented reality. It's like, oh, the, those kicks would look so good on my on my feet. Yeah, I think with anything. I mean, I would I would I don't know. I mean, there's something I don't know. I don't know. I just I, I still like trying things on, you know, but yeah, maybe if we get to that place. It's kind of one of those things like is the metaverse like is it even gonna be I know people are going to come at me, but is it even going to be valuable? Like metaverse looks like still like the video games of like 15 years ago. Yeah. Well, it, uh, it takes time. 
I mean, you could sell. You could, the, uh, there's a yacht that sold for like six hundred thousand. So, anyways, all right. So this last one, this this kind of was just like thrown in this video, and no one's talking about it on 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 social media. Which I'm gonna post this after uh, we talk about it on the podcast when we drop this on Wednesday. And it's the idea that eBay is doing live e-commerce and auctions on eBay, like a. Uh- the whatnot app correct hmm. which i knew was coming like how much would it take for ebay to do that it wouldn't take much yeah you know? but again it's like i don't think ebay is the platform for that i think the whatnot app has that like more of a social media feel whereas i don't see like young people who are like wanting to go on and like do that kind of because i just I, I i look at the younger generation i look at people who are in their their 20s early 20s even younger than 20s kids that are still in school and I see the way that they interact with social media. And it's just such a different way of interacting than we who are using eBay and Amazon to buy stuff. You know what I mean? Like that is their world. And so I'd imagine like to find an influence, like I follow this, this girl, she sells the best clothes and I watch her live, you know, auctions. And then she became a celebrity selling those things. And I just don't imagine eBay being the place where people are going to do that. I disagree. I think eBay is still like, I, I've even heard like all kinds of influencers, even TikTok influencers talk about like, I get my vintage stuff on eBay. Um, a lot of, you know, vintage sellers still eBay is the platform. I find that whatnot is getting a lot of coverage. And again, maybe this is going to work against my auction, but it's because they've, you know, they've chosen influencers in the reselling space to do it. And so that, you know, this is all that's all the YouTube videos, all the social media and, and, you know, they're going on there. A friend of mine's been on whatnot for over a year and he's not you know, a huge influencer, but he's done really well on whatnot. So I think it'll still be around. But I think eBay, it's a lot easier. Like, I'm sure it's going to be integrated where, like, if you sell something, it'll pull that listing from your store. You know what I mean? Or, or you know, I think it's, you know, the thing with with eBay that separates it from everyone else is international sales, customer service seller protections like there's a lot of things already built into ebay that all these other platforms do not give you and so that's why it's still the number one go-to for the secondary market and so let us know in the comments are you team mike or are you team orlando on this one Look, i'm not saying it's it's not it's gonna fall completely i just think i think once it goes live i think popularity of whatnot will wane Maybe. And I'm not saying that whatnot is the the thing that's going to be the thing. I'm just saying it's so hard because you've got to put yourself like think about like the students that you teach. And I don't know how much you see the way that they interact with social media. Mm -hmm. But like, for instance, I'll give you an example. When I was doing the fifth wheel living, there are, I would say, 20 plus Instagram like celebrities that do fifth wheel living and they make probably six figures off of their Instagram and half of what they're doing is selling like, this is how I decorated my stuff. And look at this clothes that I'm wearing. I could sell. And and like, I watch the number of followers who are like, where'd you get that hat? I want to buy it. It's like, Oh, use my affiliate link and below. And like, I just see that like, there's a celebrity culture that is built through social media that I think would allow them to sell things easier than like eBay. I don't think the celebrity think culture- eBay has the money to bring the celebrity culture. Maybe, but if eBay becomes like 
like a social media platform, which they haven't been able to do. Like, I mean, I know it's easy to look at a, a platform like. Uh, yeah, but then Posh Park would be successful and it's not. But that's the point that I'm trying to make is that, that, that just because they haven't been the one to do it doesn't mean that that's not going to be in some way the future of of reselling. Right. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? We'll see. I, I see your point. I do. I just I'm still I think a lot of people give, you know, eBay like a hard time about, you know, the fact that you know, the younger generation, all this. And I think, I don't, I don't know if that's true. Like I, I, you know, every, every movie I watch, like, or somebody's like, Oh, where'd you get that? Nobody goes, Oh, I got this on Depop or I got this on Grailed or I got this on Poshmark. It's always eBay, 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 right? Memes are eBay, right? It, it is, it's part of our culture. Yeah. I, again, though, part of that might be, might be a, like information bias in the sense of the data that you're getting is because you're in, you're in a community that is saturated with eBay. Yeah. But if I'm in the movie theater, that's not like information bias. It is know? information bias. Am I just watching old man movies? Is that what you're telling me? No, I'm telling you that I'm telling you that junior hires and high schoolers today spend 10 times more time on YouTube and on Instagram than they would ever spend on TV. Agree. Movies, right? No, so, like, I the, agree with the, you the attention. So, like, if you're getting, it's like, well, when I watch TV and movies, the commercials are like this. It's like, yeah, but unless you're watching the celebrities that are on YouTube and Instagram, what is the information they're giving to the younger generation? Could be, could be. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I really, I think eBay could do this right. I don't think it. For so one night, you know, I think it, it does a great job. I mean, I've talked about the ins and outs in the previous podcast, and we're gonna be I'm gonna be doing stuff on whatnot, obviously, too. Uh, but I think it it's it's a lot less lifting for eBay to get this done than whatnot, right? I mean, we have 147 million active buyers on eBay, right? International, and you know, you have a lot more sellers on eBay, like it's it's just it's just different. You know, so but we'll see what happens. So, anyways, that is our reseller topics. Yeah. All right, are you ready to talk about some bolos? Bolo, 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 bolo. What's your bolo? Yeah. So my bolo is a weird one. When I was a kid, it was popular to hate Barney. Remember that? Remember yeah, that? Yeah, Barney's so terrible. You love, yeah, yeah. No. But now that I've got a four-year-old and he went through a weird phase where he was like afraid of like a lot of stuff. And it's like, I don't know where his fear came from. No, that's just like every a four-year-old. Yeah. But like, it's like, I'm afraid of aliens. I'm afraid of this. I'm just like, what do you even, where do you even hear about aliens? Right. They're coming to get me. Right. Like, he's afraid of everything. So it's like, okay, we're taking away all shows. He doesn't even really watch a lot of shows. Uh, barely any at all. Um, taking away video games, everything until this like fear calms down. We're like, okay, but honestly, like. Barney is actually not that bad. A little annoying, but as far as like, I don't know. there's nothing coming out of it that's like got any kind of agenda or has any. So all of that to say, I, Barney's grown on me in the sense of like, I, I'm okay <laughs> with my four-year-old watching it. But the weird thing is like, the only Barney that we have at, our, at the house is what grandma had from VHS from years ago. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, Barney VHS mm -hmm. This actually goes for a lot. And I'm using Barney as Especially an example. sealed, yeah. Well, sealed, of course. But but I mean, even opened lots or singles. So a lot of times you can get VHS at garage sales for like 25 cents a movie, a dollar at most if you're paying like, you know, getting some high quality mm -hmm. ones. 
even thrift stores that have high end prices, you're usually not paying more than a dollar for a VHS. Sometimes it's like 50 cents for per movie because there's really not profit there. Like even when you get the black diamond, you know, Disney, we we all know is like not a real thing, but there are movies. There's certain ones There's certain like collectibles and they're like on the regular used open VHS Barney and other like old school kids shows and movies like that. The Wiggles, the Wiggles, um, little people like various ones like that. Um, Fraggle rock. Those go on the regular for five to $10 per VHS. And so if you can get a lot, like, I mean, I was like, okay, I'm noticing this. So I look up on offer up and I found a lot and this lot had 40 plus VHS and like over 20 of them were Barney. Uh, there was the Wiggles there were some little people, some various ones, and they wanted 20 bucks for it. Right. Yeah. So it had been listed for over two months. I was like, oh, sweet. I could probably even talk these people down. So I send them a message like, hey, is this still available? And they're like, no, it didn't sell. So I threw them out. Oh, right. And just to think that like that yeah. just goes to show like there is like so much of this, not so much out there, but there's enough of it out there that people don't really see valuable. But if you can pick them up for 50 cents and you're selling them for $5 and if you can pick up a lot, like if you go to a garage sale, I'll usually pass on VHS. But if I were to see like a handful, like 10 Barney VHSs, I'm going to say, hey, how about a couple bucks for all of them? Because I can lot them together and sell them for 30, 40 bucks as a lot or sell them for $5 a piece. So just something I wouldn't have looked at before because usually VHS I just pass on. Now I kind of have an open mind to specifically older kid shows because, yeah, I can imagine now parents having kids are like, you know what? As annoying as Barney was, at least it's safe. Yeah. Or even grandparents. Like, yeah. like Even the plush. If you find some of the vintage plush, Mm. especially new, like it's good money. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. So my bolo is, uh, it's kind of, it's a tough one because you got to test it and you got to make sure it's the right brand, but uh, like camcorder battery chargers. Mm. Right. Because, you know, some, some camcorders just, they need that specific charger to that camera. Right. And they sell, they're not, you know, huge money. Sometimes they sell for like 40 to $50. Right. And sometimes it's 20 or 30, but usually they're in that electronic section, the thrift store that you know, you know, you really don't want to sort through. Uh, but you know, I, I've sell them every once in a while. I pick them up. Usually when I, when I sell them is cause I got them in a bulk buy and I'm just like, ah, oh, might as well list it. Uh, but you know, they sell for good money. I never hear a complaint. Uh, and, uh, it's good cause you know, even myself as a reseller, I pick up like a, a Sony camcorder or a Canon camcorder or whatever. I'm like, Oh, I need a charger. Right. So there's also a market for resellers who need these items. And yeah, you could, you know, buy like the cheap ones from China on Amazon, but you know, it's better just to get the brand, right. The, the one that originally came with it. Uh, and that's why they cost a little bit more on eBay because, you know, they, they're known to work, right. They're not going to, you know, short circuit. They're not going to, you know, end up lasting only once or twice. And so definitely keep an eye for those camcorder battery chargers. I've sold some for 40, 50 bucks. Uh, and you know, they're good. And not even that, like, um, charger for certain tools, like any kind of battery charger usually is worth a lookup. Some can go for several hundred, by the way. So keep an eye. That is my bolo. All right. Hey, also another thing I, I've really enjoyed last, last, <laughs> I would, we talk about this all the time, but even today I was running late. I had a class to teach cause I still teach, you know, every once in a while uh, to different groups and, uh, I needed to shave my head. And luckily my school shaver was in my middle console. Don't ask me why, but <laughs> I think it's cause I needed before church to do a quick shave the other day. 
And so I took out my school shaver and man, like, like smooth for class. You know, it, it didn't look, have that unkept phase, you know, where like, it's just enough where like you should start growing out or just enough where you need to shave it. I was able to just take care of it. So if you don't know what we're talking about, school shaver is a handheld uh, electronic uh, razor. Does a great job. Almost razor. I would say it's pretty close to razor look. Uh, portable, great charge. Definitely check it out. Skullshaver.com uh, in the link below. And our promo code for that is PHP. Nope, it's Hustle. Oh, it's Hustle. We changed it. Yep. Sorry. It's Retract hustle. that. It is Hustle with a capital H. I don't know if that matters. It's just Hustle. Okay. Anyways, it's Hustle. Yeah. Sorry. Thank, thanks for uh, correcting me. You're welcome. We needed that. All right. What are you looking forward to, Mike? Um, well, I'm I'm happy to finally have a, a freed weekend. It's I can't explain how. And if you've ever sold anything big, you know how it can be, how time consuming it can mm-hmm. be. Uh, so now that the fifth wheel is gone, I actually feel like I have a weekend or two where I can list and source and do those things that I've kind of been hesitant to do because I only have so much time, like all of us, and and I don't want to dip too far into my family time. So that'll be nice and then that'll also free up a little bit of time to kind of start the discord get that discord going uh for our uh, specifically for our patreon followers for now to kind of you know see how it goes kind of get the feel for it figure out how to make the servers work and 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 have that community of resellers who again not a cook group uh, but a place for resellers who are like-minded to get together Engage discussion yeah to talk to ask questions to to offer bolos if they want to but it's not like hey like Sign up for our Patreon. We're going to promise you the top 10 bolos this Q4. Like, that's not what this is. It's just a place for community of, of our, our listeners coming together. Uh, so I'm excited to kind of get that going. And then also, since I, I would say October was when we first kind of started throwing around the idea of selling the fifth wheel. And we were pushing it back to like, okay, we'll list it in January. So we listed it in the beginning of January. And here we are into the middle of March. And so basically since October, my wife and I have, have been using the phrase when the fifth will sells, hmm. when the fifth will sells, when the fifth, we can think of this, we can plan this when the fifth will sells. And so finally, now that it's sold, we're like, you know what? This has been so crazy, so stressful. We've had so much just kind of on pause. Like, let's do a getaway. So we've got a, a spring break getaway, which is going to be me yes. and her for a couple of days. The grandma's going to watch the, the, the boys, our, our sons. And we're just, just a couple of nights, not like a super long time, but as resellers, I think it's important to do that too. Like we can easily say, let's hoard every single penny that we got from this, this fifth wheel sale. Uh, let's instantly reinvest it back into business and, and into property and into, or we could say, let's take, let's take a few hundred bucks and let's enjoy the hard work that we put into it and, and kind of remember why it is we're working so hard. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important too, is that occasionally, you know, like you go to Legoland with your kids, <laughs> we went out and had dinner, like, you got to spend a little bit of the money that you get uh, and, and not be a complete miser or uh, you'll be miserable. You'll end up you'll end up with a whole bunch of stuff and and no joy in your life. So. Agreed. Agreed. What about you? What are you looking forward to? Um, so I'm being a miser. Uh, and so I got to tell you, t- taxes, I just the devil. Like I just there, there's nothing in me and I, I have a lot of uh, bookkeeping stuff. I need to wrap up and I need to get going. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that there will be another extension like there was last year. Right. Just so, but you know, I'm a procrastinator, so it's just going to push it back. But you know, uh, if you're looking to go full-time reselling, make sure, I mean, I do have good bookkeeping software. I use GoDaddy and everything, but even with all that, you know, I've always said like, you want to make sure you get every deduction possible and that does take work. And so, 
I, I just got to block out some time, but there's always, there's always stuff happening. Right. And so you just got to make the time happen, happen. Uh, and I'm looking at going to uh 3,500 listings, uh, by the end of April. So that's going to take, you know, major uh, shift in time. And then I'm actually at where I'm living. I'm actually finally like organizing stuff. I know Mike hasn't seen it because <laughs> he always sees like the podcast room, but you know, I, when you move, right. You have a period of time where you have moving boxes still that haven't been unpacked. Yeah, usually for a few weeks. Yeah, or, or nine months. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, I moved all my inventory uh, and it's, you know, it's it's organized. I haven't lost anything, but it, I don't feel like I'm being really efficient with my space. And so I want to get back into that. I've kind of enjoyed reclaiming uh, parts of the property I'm on. And so hoping to do that. But uh, yeah. Man, the taxes. I like I can't sleep well. So I'm tired right now. So, anyways, I'm hoping to wrap those. I know I've said this for like three, four episodes now, but it's it's real. Just gotta keep it real. So, anyways, hey, hope you're all having great sales. Hope you're still listing, whether you know you're finding stuff at estate sales, garage sales, the thrift stores that are still possible, uh, local deals, you know, whatever it is. Hope you're able to make it happen. And hopefully we brought you value in this episode. Make sure to smash that like button uh, if you enjoyed the content. And even if you didn't, just smash that like button. And with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Peace.